0: Can I get a bell, please? You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We're to do it. Your
2: daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team Come. every day.
1: Touchdown! You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the Internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnPackers like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how our crossover Thursday. Today David Harrison from Locked on Bucks joins us on the program. And I'm going to I'm going to play the the whole interview sometimes I I just do half, I just do my half. Where I talk to the host of the other teams podcast, but I think uh, this is the NFC Championship game, so uh, we get to double dip and we'll we'll play the the whole shebang here just to get us in the mood, just to get us in the right frame of mind. Dorian, who is a Locked On Packers fan, called in to the Locked On Bucks podcast and talked a little trash, which I very much appreciate. Shout out to Dorian. And here is that voicemail.
3: Yo, this is Dorian from Wisconsin. Um, First of all, uh, you guys have a great show. I listen to all the opposing teams, Locked On podcasts throughout the week when the Packers played them. And listen to you guys back in week six and you do a great job. Uh, So shout out to you guys. Uh shout out to the Bucks. You guys had a great season. Uh but I just wanna let you know that there is no way. No 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 way you're beating the Packers. That is a wrap. Uh Vita Veya, Bell Vita, Vegeta, it doesn't matter. Packers by ten, thirty four, twenty four on Sunday. You guys have a great year. Uh hang your heads high. But uh it's coming to an end at about six PM your time this Sunday. Peace
1: out okay so that is tremendous that is glorious uh thank you uh for talking on my behalf and expressing uh your support for the Green Bay Packers and your confidence that they will win shout out for uh the 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 reference love that uh and I think it gets us ready to jump in to this Packers Buccaneers matchup. Locked on Packers, locked on Bucks. Our second crossover of the season, and I know that that Bucks fans uh, were very happy with my appearance after the fact um, because uh, they got to prove a lot of the things that I said in that uh, crossover wrong. Because the Packers didn't play well, the Packers got their butts kicked in that game, and so I guess at its core, David, um, what is what is it about this Bucks team? That is different from that iteration because the Packers are are also a very different team from the one we saw back in October.
2: Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think they're both incredibly different, and the Buccaneers, you know, are, are more different than I think anybody would have expected at this point in the season. Uh, when you when you go back to that that Week Six matchup with the Green Bay Packers, I think everybody across the board is saying like you can't rely on that Week Six outcome and, you know, as as a precursor for what's going to happen this weekend. Um, not just from the coaches, but even like fan bases or, you know, the Buccaneers fans, you might expect them to be a little bit more confident and say, oh, well, look, look what the Bucs did to you guys last time. And they're actually not. They're actually all, you know, most for the most part, there's there's a few outliers, of course. But for the most part, a lot of them are saying, you know, that at, that was an outlier, that was an anomaly, however you want to word it. So I think that coming into this game, the, the Packers actually have a little bit of an advantage that they didn't have coming into that previous game. What I'm talking about is the knowledge of what this Buccaneers defense is going to look like for the most part. Uh, going back to Week Six, you know the, the Buccaneers lost Vita Vea the week prior against Chicago Bears. So coming in to that matchup, Todd Bowles had to take his defense and basically restructured. I mean, we even saw Jordan Whitehead line up in in, 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 in uh, as a defensive tackle. He actually got a snap credited as a defensive tackle <laughs> in that game because of all the things Todd Bowles basically had to figure out how to manufacture a pass rush against his Green Bay offense. Those are things that the Packers. Couldn't have studied. They couldn't have seen on tape beforehand. Uh, no matter what they studied, no matter how far they went back in Todd Bowles' history, they weren't going to see those things because it was the first time we really saw Todd Bowles not have that guy who could play over the nose, play in the one, even play in the three. If he needed to, he'd lost that with Vita Veya going out and didn't get that back until Steve McClendon came in, but that wasn't until after that game. So really, the Packers were at at a disadvantage, I want to say, defense, or offensively scheming against the defense because they didn't know what to expect. Now you have more of what to expect. Even if Vita Veya comes back, you can look back and see what they do with Vita Veya on the field. Now that they've had all this time to adjust to not having Vita Veya, found a little bit more success. It's still kind of hit or miss. But you can still look at what Todd Bowles is going to do without Vita Veya there in the middle, even with Steve McClendon there in the middle. So the Packers are going to come into this game with more knowledge, a little bit smarter, and that experience still also going to help. And then of course, you got Lambeau Field. So, I mean, while the Packers are a lot different, Alan Lazard didn't play in this game last time, etc., The Buccaneers are also very different, but a little bit more consistent in their differences than I think the Packers are. So they have a little bit more film to study.
1: Yeah. Speaking of inconsistencies, this offense ended the season playing pretty well. Overall, the numbers are going to look good. You look at DVOA and EPA and a lot of those those metrics that tell you about the the efficiency of this team. And yet I, I just it seems like every week we don't know what to expect from them. Um, they they found this rhythm at the end of the year with more play action and more short passes, and then we go out in this game last week against the Saints, and it's all of a sudden all that stuff seems to be out the window. <laughs> I, I I struggle to even ask you to predict how they're going to come out because it seems yeah. like week to week there is this this ocean of of inconsistency that we could get. We could get you know the version that puts up that could have put up 80 points on the Lions if they wanted to, or this version that, you know, if not for turnovers, would have struggled to get to 20 last week against the Saints. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're going to
0: see, the biggest difference between this Buccaneers team and then pre-buy Buccaneers team, I think really coming out of the buy, what you saw as an offense that turned more towards what it does well versus what it was trying to do well in. And what I mean by that is you're still going to see deep routes. You're still going to see them try and try to hit some, you know, some crossing patterns and and all this other stuff and try to really threaten the defense, stretch them out, stress them out uh, with that deep ball. But since the bye week, I think we've seen more of Tom Brady kind of doing what he does best. And whereas before I think he was trying to fit into that deep ball scheme, trying to make the deep ball work, so to speak. Whereas now he's okay, if the deep ball is taken away from the defense, I'm going to go back and I'm going to rely on my short game. Uh, going up against the New Orleans Saints, he had the, the lowest yards per attempt uh, of this season in a win. So he had 6.05 yards per attempt. The only two other games he had with fewer yards per attempt were both losses. So this is the first time we've seen the Buccaneers have such a short passing game, I want to say, that you know consistently, and come out with a victory. And yes, a lot of that was due to the turnovers. But give the Buccaneers a little bit of credit, still getting in scoring range on three or so of those possessions. Not enough. I don't think you can you can go into Green Bay and say, well, if as long as the offense gets into scoring range three times on their own, we're going to be fine. But it's kind of one step into that next step, and if they continue to lean on that mentality and take essentially take what the defense gives you, right, then they can try to make some things happen, even if it's against a Green Bay defense in Lambeau.
1: So if you're going to look at, you know, you mentioned at the top um, this Week Six game. I don't know that there's a ton to be learned from that game um, because these two teams are in such a different place. So I asked this of Lily Zhao yesterday from the Packers' perspective. From the Buccaneers' perspective, what are you most worried about going differently this time around than you were um, based on what we saw in Week 6? Yeah, I don't know. I would
0: say I'm most worried about it being different. I'm, I'm more... Coming into this thing, expecting it to be different. That's the turnovers, the takeaways. I mean, this Buccaneers defense has been really good with takeaways at points in the season. I don't want to take that away from them uh, individually, but this is Aaron Rodgers. And and I I looked it up after that game and I saved it. Um, I, I I brought it back up for this conversation. Aaron Rodgers had not thrown two or more interceptions in a game before that matchup with the Buccaneers this year since December 17th of 2017. Against mm-hmm. Carolina Panthers. And he's only done it 16 times coming off in a broken collarbone, by the career way. games. You don't talk about that game?
1: Yeah, he was coming off a broken collarbone and still oh, playing okay. with it, probably not 100%. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So there you go. But
0: what the numbers tell you is that there's a 92% chance that Aaron Rodgers is not throwing two or more interceptions. That's what the, that's what his history shows you. It's 197 games. So that's not, you know, there, there's no fluke there. That's a trend. You know what I mean? That's who Aaron Rodgers is. Now, there's some other players there. You know, maybe you can get a fumble from an Aaron Jones. Maybe you can get, you know, a bobbled pass by an A.J. Dillon who's nervous in the, in the limelight. Maybe. I don't know. But at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to rely on taking the ball away from Aaron Rodgers the way that they were able to the last time they saw each other and the way that they did against Drew Brees. So I'm not so much worried that they're not going to be able to do. It. I know essentially that they're not going to be able to do it. My concern is, and I, and I talked about this on the Lockdown Bucks podcast, is – can your offense, and you just kind of hit on this, can your offense do enough on their own to manufacture enough offense, enough scoring, enough production to basically force the Green Bay Packers to not to do things that they maybe didn't want to do in their game script, in their game plan, kind of force them to, to, to adjust you and react to that pressure? Because, again, if, if your offense is only producing nine points without the help of turnovers, that's going to be a problem. Now, at the same time, you don't want to carry last week into this week. Every week is a different game. And we've seen this Buccaneers offense come out and absolutely, you know, catch fire right out, right out, the right out the gate, and put up touchdown after to touchdown. But that that concern still kind of has to be there because this isn't the first time New Orleans that we saw the offense kind of sputter out the gate. They had two back to back three and outs to start the game. Almost had three back to back three and outs, except for the fact that Bruce Arians went ahead and went for it from his own 36 on a fourth and one, and they converted. You can't yep. do that in Green Bay. If you come out against Green Bay and have two three and outs to start this game, you might be down 14 nothing before you look up.
1: It sounds to me like you are more concerned about the Tampa Bay offense in this game than the defense.
0: Uh, I mean, to a certain extent, yes, because the offense still, even though we not kind of know what they want to do and we've seen, you know, the the adjustment to taking what the defense gives you versus just trying to force the deep ball. And you saw Cameron Brake get involved last week, you know, uh, playoff Lenny Leonard Fournette is, is is showing up during the postseason. Ronald Jones getting healthy. So even though you have a lot of good playoff, news, Lenny. we're still, yeah, we're still seeing some of the inconsistency that we've seen all season, they just don't look like they're just consistently on a regular basis, week in, week out, in rhythm. And that's, that's, that's always a problem in the playoffs, no matter who you're playing up against. Whereas the defense, you know, we, we kind of know what the defense is going to do. Like the defense is going to give up some yards. They're going to give up some field positions. or, what, or field position. But what they're going to try to do is force you into field goals and then wait for the mistake to happen and take advantage of the mistake. That's something they've done really well this year is when those opportunities show up for them to take the ball away. They've done pretty good in doing that, but they're going to give up yards. Uh, They're sitting at about 40, 40 percent, 45 percent or so on third down conversion allowed uh, to opponents. So, you know, when when this defense gets into third and five, third and eight Buccaneers fans know, look, this could be a first down. But it's okay because as long as you keep teams from scoring touchdowns, you keep them the field goals. Your offense has time to get in rhythm. Last week, they got away with it with Drew Brees and the Saints. I don't know that they can get away with it with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. But to me, that's more on the offense. it is on the defense, because if you're going out there matching touchdown for touchdown, I look at Ohio State and Alabama. This could be a game where the first team to come out and not get that touchdown could be the one that's in trouble.
1: Yeah, let me finish on this um, because it it focuses on that defense. So if we're if we're just going to assume that that is the, the strength of this team coming into the game, if you go back to that game and you mentioned the anomalous nature and we've talked about it all week, Aaron Rodgers mentioned it after the game, he called it an anomaly, not a trend. Aaron Rodgers threw those two interceptions against the Blitz. According to NFL research, Rodgers was 3 of 12 against that Buccaneers Blitz. Yeah. With the two picks. Against every other team this year against the Blitz, <laughs> Rodgers is 15 touchdowns, one interception. Yeah. And since week 9, the Bucs have allowed 13 touchdowns to just one interception when Blitzing. Right. So is blitzing going to once again be the, the base or at least the, the main like tip of the spear strategy for stopping Rodgers? And if it isn't, or if it doesn't get home, can they do enough on the back end to slow down this offense?
0: Uh, it absolutely is going to be the way the Buccaneers come after Aaron Rodgers. They're absolutely going to try to blitz and They're going to try to free up guys like Ndamukong Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody get such a visceral reaction so quickly in a game that Indominus Sue got out of Aaron Rodgers uh, the last time they played. Granted, Part of that came from a penalty, they have, you know they have bad So blood. when you, when you break yeah, the there's a little there's bit. there's history here. Yeah, exactly. There's history there from Detroit, you know what I mean? So they're absolutely going to try to get in Dominican uh, into Aaron Rodgers' face, you know, as early and as often as possible. But then at the same time, Devin White coming off ball and then those edge, edge defenders and then expect, you know, Antoine Winfield Jr. is going to come on some blitzes, et cetera, et cetera. Todd Bowles is not going to shy away from pressuring Aaron Rodgers, even though Aaron Rodgers is one of the better quarterbacks against pressure and is. Mobile, you know, he's he's not like a Lamar Jackson necessarily, but he's still one one heck of a mobile quarterback if he needs to be. So I don't know that's going to work. And as far as the back end is concerned, what, what really concerns me is that soft coverage and the tackling. The Buccaneers tackling has not been up to par, you know, m- most recently. I mean, they did better against New Orleans, but against Washington it was really bad. And then some other games we've seen tackling can be really bad. And you know that guys like Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, Tanya, and, you know, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, et cetera, et cetera. They can take advantage of defenses that try to arm, tackle, or don't use proper form. And with that blitz coming, you also know your, your back end defense is very thin. So if you bring six or seven guys and then you have a broken tackle in the middle of the field or on a, on a reception or down the field on a reception, that's, that's all of a sudden, that's an explosive play. You know what I mean? So that's going to be kind of the concern. I would like to say that if Aaron Rodgers takes advantage that early, Todd Bowles will probably back off a little bit. But history kind of says he may not actually back off a little bit. Um, (laughs) I think the key is Devontae Adams. If they come, I think when they come out, they're going to come out and say, go do your job. So if you're lined up on Devontae, if you're Carlton Davis, most likely, or Jamel Dean, and you're lined up on Devontae Adams, do your job. You might have top coverage on, you know, a couple, you know, uh, coverage schemes and all that stuff. But you're not going to be dedicated a partner necessarily to stop Devontae Adams. If that guy can contain him, I'm not even saying shut him down like they did Michael Thomas, but six catches, 66 yards and a touchdown. If they can do that against Devontae Adams, it'll allow the rest of that secondary and the linebackers that are in coverage to spread out and contain those other weapons. If they can't and and what the Packers do is force them to bring help to Devontae Adams, that's really going to be a problem. I think that's where you see guys like Alan Lazard maybe make a huge impact in this game.
1: All right, coming up after this, we will flip it. I will take the hot seat, even though it's going to be very cold at Lambeau on Sunday. (laughs) Still 40% chance of snow. So maybe we can take the temperature down a little bit right after this. Before we move on, let's talk about our friends at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the counter guy orders the parts on his computer? You could do it from the comfort of your own home, from your computer at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have a unique and remarkably easy to navigate catalog, and best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com now and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. Packers still in that three, three and a half point range in this matchup with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if you like that, if you think that's too much, doesn't matter. You can make money if you're right on which side of the deal you end up coming out on. This line opened at three and a half. It is now down to three. In fact, both title games are at three points, which means we should have some fireworks on Sunday Let's have some fireworks in your bank account at Bet Online. And right now, when you sign up for a free account at betonline.ag, use the promo code locked on to get a 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action and don't forget to use the promo code locked on to get a 50% welcome bonus off your first deposit. All
0: right, guys, continuing our locked on crossover week here locked on Bucks, locked on Packers. Peter Bukowski, David Harrison talking. And Peter, um, the Packers, the, the, the big story here is the anomaly of week six, right? I think that's kind of coming in. Obviously, you have Rodgers and Brady yeah. and all that stuff. But a lot of people want to know what is going to be the difference between that matchup and this matchup. Because kind of like the Saints 38-3 to blowout of the Buccaneers early in the regular season, nobody's expecting 38-10 to in this matchup, no matter, you know, on either side of the ball, to be honest with you. And I start with Aaron Jones. So in that game, in the regular season, the Buccaneers held him to one and a half yards per carry, the lowest average he's had in his career when he ran the ball five or more times in a single game. So is it just, is the answer there just, that was an anomaly and that's really all there is to it? Or is there something specific you see in Green Bay since then in their rushing attack and the way they use Aaron Jones that tells you it absolutely will not happen
1: again? Well, I think it's both, right? Because as you mentioned, it's it's the worst number of his career. And the other two guys... Um, They put up over 60 yards on just nine carries, Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon. And and A.J. Dillon broke off a 20-yard run uh, on a play where if Antoine Winfield doesn't take him down, he might be making a house call, right? So they were able to find some success on inside runs. They didn't stick to it. Matt LaFleur has said a couple times this season that they could have stuck to the run better. I think this was one of those cases where they could have because there was room inside. Um, That's where Jamal Williams hit them a couple times. That's where A.J. Dillon got them. Trying to run outside zone against a team with linebackers who flow like the Buccaneers do uh, is really really tough. And then you add in. The game plan that Tom Bowles had in the run game, which was do not let the guards and the centers get out and get to the linebackers. So whenever possible on the interior, if you see a guard trying to climb, go try and occupy that block first. Try and shoot gaps so that they can't do that. Well, Green Bay has found a way to counter that. They're running more inside zone. They're running more gap scheme with Duo. And they're running, they, last week they pulled out a couple counters. A.J. Dillon hit them on, on a for, for a first down on a counter play. So they found a greater diversity in the run game. And I think that can help protect the passing game. The Packers did a really bad job of play action against the Bucks. I think it was their worst play action game of the season statistically. Mm-hmm. And part of that is they were really not able to get anything going in the run game. Now we know, you know what the what the empirical uh, evaluation of that is. You don't need a great run game to be a great play action game. But I think for the Packers. They rely so much on trying to build one play. OK, it's now it's second and six after a, a first and 10 run gets you four yards. OK, now the play action is easier in the flow of the offense. And, and I think that's a big deal for this team. They found better ways to make those balances work. They've stayed more patient in some of these subsequent games. And I think that is the biggest reason why you would have faith in it being different this time around.
0: Yeah. And sticking with that run game, Peter, the, the the Green Bay Packers had seven games this year where they ran for less than 100 yards, came out of that five and two, obviously still a winning record. I mean, they're the number one seed in the NFC for a reason, but they had a a point differential average in those games of just point four or a plus four in the 10 games where they ran for 100 yards or more. They were nine and one and had a 12.6 point uh, point differential there in favor of them, obviously. What is it about this run game? I mean, we, we you know obviously it's a passing league. Aaron Rodgers, all that stuff. But even going back to the Saints, the Saints historically have always done better, even with Drew Brees, a quarterback, Michael Thomas, whoever at wide receiver, when the running game is going best. And what so what is it? Do you think about this run game versus this Buccaneers defense this time around, whether Vita Vea plays ex, you know extensively or not? That you think is going to be something? Is it just that dedication to those inside runs? And do you think that's enough? Because they have added Steve McClendon and look good up the middle against inside runs as of late as well.
1: Yeah, and and look, I think the Packers feel like their strength inside can match up with anyone. And I know Aaron Donald was hurt last week, um, but they dominated inside. Elton Jenkins and Corey Lindsley were awesome against the Rams. Lucas Patrick um, had one of his best games, frankly, as a pro last week. So we have to give credit to the interior there. The first time that these two teams played, Elton Jenkins was – Probably his worst game as a pro. Corey Lindsley, one of his worst games um, that I can remember. And and the athletic did a great job of highlighting this um, on on some of the the Bucks blitzes. They also ran these twists that really confused Green Bay, and and they didn't pass it off well. They didn't communicate well. Um, there were some slide protections that they missed or that they botched. It was the offensive line's worst game of the year just from a, a communication standpoint, not um just an execution standpoint. And the mental errors have just not been there this this year for the team outside of that game. So it is just another anomaly point here to say, okay, that's an outlier. It's probably not going to happen again. This this offense, you know, Billy Turner stepped in for David Bakhtiari seamlessly against the, the Bears. They were able to run the ball inside even against Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack and the front that they have there. So I, I think Green Bay is is going to say, look, we have so many ways to run the ball effectively that we're just going to try them all, <laughs> you know, and, and when you have that diversity, I think that creates more indecision from your linebackers, from your safeties. If all of a sudden the safeties have to fly up, then that creates opportunities over the top, and I think that's something that Green Bay is really going to have to be efficient with. They they only took a couple of shots against the Rams, but they hit two of them, and then another one was an out-of-structure play to to Robert Tonyan at the end of the first half. They have to hit those, and if they can get the run game going, I think that makes it easier to do it.
0: Yeah, and then flip it over to the Packers' defense, Peter. Uh, against the Rams, it seems like this defense was kind of feast or famine, and, and unfortunately for Green Bay fans, they feasted more than they were, uh, you know, they dealt with the famine. I guess we want to call it that. They held Los Angeles to four drives of five yards or less, which is amazing. Um, but they did give up three drives of 62 yards or more, and then they had one drive right there in the middle, a 25-yard drive there in the fourth quarter. Uh, does that tendency to give up basically nothing or nearly everything? One of those drives didn't end up with a field goal, but two of those three drives did end up with touchdowns. Does that worry you against the Buccaneers offense that's kind of shown more in the past four or five games that they are willing and capable of putting together sustained drives?
1: You know, it's it's funny because doesn't that sort of fit perfectly with the personality of the Bucs that that for two oh, or three drives, they're just going to look like what is going on. And then for for two or three drives, they're going to look like, how did anyone ever stop this team? <laughs> I mean, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's <laughs> sort of the M.O. for this team in a lot of these games and especially in the big games. Um, in the in the games against the best team. So I, I think, you know, what we saw the first time around in this in this matchup was Green Bay kind of did that early on. You know, they they get a couple punts. And if it if it isn't for that interception, um, that pick six that really changed everything, um, you know, who knows if the game plays out any differently because Green Bay didn't didn't really have to force um, the, I almost said the Patriots, the Buccaneers, um, to, I do that because of Brady, obviously. And I think I did it the first time we recorded the show, um, <laughs> before. that, you know, that inconsistency, you just hope that, that they don't sort of cross streams, right. That, mm-hmm. you know, the Bucks find the, the three perfect drives when the Packers are going to have their three bad drives. You know, you, you hope that that they they, they they don't cross streams like that. But what it does do is if you do get three or four three and outs and you get those quick turnarounds, all of a sudden, you know, to the point you made earlier, it could be 14 quick points. It could be 10 quick points. And all of a sudden now you're putting pressure back on this Buccaneers offense to go out and make plays. So it's how the, the Packers have done it all year. It felt worse watching um, then the final numbers indicated you're sort of going, wait, how are they giving up these? How does Jared Goff completing all these passes? And then you look up at the end of the game and they only gave up 244 total yards, mm-hmm. 18 points, which is the second lowest to- point total of the year for the Rams. They actually, in aggregate, played really well. It was just on three drives. They looked bad. Well, right. the other five drives, they looked really good. Oh. And if that's the ratio that they can put together against the Bucs, it gives them a really good chance to win the game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I've heard you talk a little bit this week about this matchup with the Buccaneers uh, leading up to this episode, of course. And something that you kind of mentioned is that this defense, this Green Bay Packers defense, that is may give up some yards, may give up some field position, may allow the Buccaneers to move the ball here and there. The key is keeping them from scoring those touchdowns for one and, of course, keeping them from putting up points in general if you can, even if you do give up the yards. And it kind of got me thinking. So I looked it up and the Packers are allowing an average of 3.2 yards per carry inside the red zone, which is about middle of the league. Um, And they're tied for 16th, so basically literally middle of the league with 14 rushing touchdowns in the same part of the field. Buccaneers rushing offense is basically the same: 14 rushing touchdowns in the red zone and about middle of the pack and running inside the red zone. So if the Packers do kind of make sure they keep the lid on things against, you know, the deep pass that that you know that Bruce Aaron's is going to try to hit and they allow Tom Brady, and Tom Brady takes the you know the five-yard check down here and there, moves the ball down the field, gets inside the 30. You know, I know red zone is 20, but say he gets inside the 30. Is there is there enough because you feel like one of these middle of the road rush defense, rush offense teams is going to slip. One of them is going to rise up to the challenge. The other one's going to falter. What gives you confidence that screen Bay's rush defense that can force the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to take those field goals instead of getting into
1: the end zone when they do get into scoring range? Well, I I think, you know, if if you put Mike Patton on on a lie detector, he would just sort of say, who cares? And not that that, you know, this is not the old run defense doesn't matter trope, although I have banged that drum for a long time. I think his deal is just just try and force field goals in the red zone. And if you can't make sure you're also forcing three and outs. So this is this is dovetails perfectly with our last discussion, because they they understand that teams are going to are going to score, like especially good teams. They're going to put together drives. What they want to make you do is say, OK, we're going to make you go 10 plays, 12 plays, 15 plays, 18 plays. We saw an 18 play drive in that saints game. The, that is going to be the goal. And if you score a touchdown, great. But we think as the Packers, we think your offense can't be as efficient as our offense. Mm-hmm. And so if you, if there's only eight possessions in the game, we think we can, we can make you punt three or four times. And we think if we have eight possessions, you can't make us punt three or four times. And, and that's, that's the difference. And, and that was the difference last week. Um, and, and it's been really the difference all year because Green Bay has had the best offense in football. Um, really, the only time they've been even close to shut down is this Bucks game, and it was the turnovers. And so that's why I've been saying all week, if, if the Packers can avoid turnovers, I just think they'll be more consistent than this Bucks offense, um, sort of irrespective of how the, the two defenses play. So as long as the Packers defense doesn't fully crap the bed like they did against the, the 49ers, they're going to give themselves a really good chance to win just because this offense is just that good.
0: Yeah, I was on a uh, another Packers podcast earlier this week, and, and I did, I said there, I think that the Buccaneers need to come out of this thing plus two uh, if they get a win, so we'll, we'll see. And that, that doesn't necessarily have to be interceptions, of course, but, I mean, the team as a whole, like you mentioned, has been pretty good about protecting the ball. Um, Peter, i got two more quick questions. I think that they'll be more easy for you to, to answer, not really pertain to this game specifically, just kind of general Packers information. Uh, but beforehand so we do voicemails and locked on bucks podcast and so we put our phone number out there it's on our twitter page and it hasn't happened a lot but it has happened on occasion but this is easily the best opposing fan voicemail we've gotten it was on our wednesday episode so if any packers fans out there want to go catch their fellow fan uh giving us a little bit of smoke then go do that we did air it of course it was hilarious so of course we had to air it um, but one of our listeners Peter actually messaged me and said, hey, how can I leave a voicemail on Peter's show? And I was like, I don't know if Peter does voicemails. So he just left us one for me to play for you. So you, you are you willing to listen to that?
1: Uh, yeah, although I will also give, I will give out the number 920-341-3775 is the Locked On Packers fan hotline. If you're a Bucks fan, feel free. If you leave a good voicemail, I will, uh, I will play it and we will enjoy it together.
0: There you go. So here is Matt from Morvan, Georgia.
3: Guys, this is Matt from Morvan, Georgia. What is that awful smell? It smells like somebody left a pair of filthy gym socks on top of a space heater or something, or maybe it's moldy cheese. Wait a minute, that's it. Wisconsin cheese. It smells like an intruder. Well, I think I speak for the rest of the Locked On Bucks listeners when I say, Peter. You better come get your boy. Think he could come on our show squawking like some kind of Justin Bieber want to be on American Idol or something. And I've listened to your show too, Peter. And I hear you looking past the Buccaneers at, uh, talking about the odds of beating the Chiefs in the Super Bowl on some gambling website or something. Well, I think you both better discount double-check yourselves because when Indominus Sue and Devin White and the boys come in there and slap the mustache off your little insurance salesman, I think you both will be singing a different tune. There's only one team getting a W on Lambeau Field on Sunday, and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're going to be feasting on some Cannon Smoked Kuda Sunday night, boys, with a side of extra salty victory gravy. Mmm, fire them cannons. Go
0: Bucs. All right, Peter. So uh, we reacted to the Packers (laughs) fan voicemail. Actually, we made him a little bit of a wager. And it's funny because before we recorded this episode, he actually hit me up on Twitter and said we're on. So if the Buccaneers win, he's got to call back into our voicemail and sing. So he did sing on the voicemail. (laughs) It was amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, He's got to call back into our show and sing a congratulatory song to the Buccaneers. Um, If the Packers win, we've got a little statement inspired by Brooklyn Nine-Nine that we're going to read at the end of our show for a game recap. So what do you what do you think of the Bucks fans coming back at
1: a year guy and you specifically actually called you out? I love it. I love it. This is this is like this is why it's fun. And we we actually played the voicemail you sent it over. Um, and I, I thought it was hilarious. So I played it at the top of the show just to give us a little, we just prime the pump a little bit for this show. Um and I thought it was great. Uh I, I did not expect um the the dream girls song to go in the middle there but I I love it and um I will I will certainly not sing if the Packers lose but <laughs> if the Packers lose I will call in and leave a message you for your listeners and you know maybe maybe if the Packers if the Packers win then your boy has to call our hotline and do the same
0: yeah you know I mean I don't want to speak for Matt but Matt is one of our regular callers he's a stand up dude so I believe that Matt from Georgia will absolutely make that happen. Matt, you got you to gotta represent well. You got to be a man of your word, brother. You threw the smoke out there. I love it. But you got to take it back if the Buccaneers fall. So I think Matt will take you up on that. Um, I can't speak for him, of course, but I, I look forward to seeing what happens. Um, Peter, my final two questions. Of course, recent news break Philip Rivers has, ex- has retired as expected. Drew Brees expected to retire. Uh, as of right now, that I've, not that I've seen, it's not official. Aaron Rodgers is 37, turning 38 at the end of next season, so he just turned 37. The clock is ticking, but you figure Rodgers has five or so more years if he can avoid some big injuries that will speed up that deterioration. The Packers have one Super Bowl so far right now with Rodgers. Is it a waste of one of the greatest careers in NFL history, especially Green Bay Packers history, if they don't get at least one more championship with Rodgers, even if it doesn't come this year?
1: Is it a waste? I think, I think, hmm. I go back and forth on this a little bit. Tom Brady, this is an appropriate question for this week. Tom Brady and the Patriots made it look easy to win Super Bowls. It is not easy. And it also took a monumental amount of close game luck. If we took any you know, 10-game sample and a team won as many close games as they did in, in 10 games, we would go, oh, that team is going to regress next year. So I mean, I think we have to take that into account too. There was a lot of um, you know, breaks that went their way. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to discount what they did, but I'm just, you know, it's it's just, you know, what it is. The the Packers have, have had luck go the other way. The NFC Championship game in 2014, the ball bounces off Brandon Bostick's hand. Yeah. In oh. in 2015, you know, they give up the the long Larry Fitzgerald play in in overtime. And that was a game where Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams both get hurt if they're healthy they probably win that game and and who knows how that season is different um and then 2011 you know we we talk a lot about the giants game and that was a game that that brought up got brought up a lot last week because of the similarities in in the styles of the great offense against the you know the sort of wild card team defense the the packers dropped half a dozen passes in that game um they they fumbled three times this was one of the best offenses ever and they just had this anomaly game and so you know, shit happens, as Aaron Rodgers would say. Um, so they've been very unlucky. Is it a waste? I mean, yeah, probably. But Dan Marino never won one. Yeah. John Elway won two late in his career, thanks to Terrell Davis right. and Neil Smith. Peyton Manning won a second one when he was the worst starting quarterback mm. in football a couple of years ago. So. It's really hard to do. It's really hard to win. And I don't think any Packer fan would give back the last 10 years of Aaron Rodgers' career um, for another Super Bowl. I just don't think they would because they already got the one.
0: Yeah. No, it's a, that's a good way of looking at it. I mean, you know, going back again to that other Packers podcast, I was always talked about how you know how, how much of a privilege it is to get to watch guys like this kind of go at it and and compete. And, you know, there's there's generations of football fans coming after this that aren't going to have the memory. So we get to be the ones to chronicle those stories and then retell them as as time goes by. And then uh, finally, Peter, before we get out of here, not really a question actually, but really I just kind of wanted to plug. So I've, I've been listening to your show. I listen to your show pretty regularly anyway, but especially uh, leading up to this week, I've been listening to it more. And you had a, an amazing interview with ESPN's Jen Lada. Did I say that right, her last name?
1: Yep, Lada. Yeah,
0: um, so, I just, so Buccaneers fans who maybe have not, unlike Matt, who have not maybe listened to the Locked On Packers podcast this week, absolutely go back and check that. That was your Wednesday episode, right? Uh, Tuesday episode. Tuesday, that was your Tuesday. They're all good. So go back and listen to them all, but definitely your Tuesday episode um, because I will say, and and you're not going to understand this unless you've heard it, but sidewalks are absolutely legendary, Peter. So I do agree (laughs) with Jet on that. Um, So I just wanted to plug that for you. I guess to Buccaneers fans, guys, go check that out. It's it's great stuff. You're going to want to hear it.
1: I appreciate that, David. Uh, I think we're going to get a great game on Sunday. Um, I, I do know that there have been some some Packer fans, not just the ones who leave the voicemails, that have been listening to your show, that listen to your show um, in, in the regular season as well um, for that Packers week. And and I, I highly recommend anyone who who wants to get a little insight behind enemy lines do that in any week, but especially this week. Um, you two do a, a great job with Lockdown Bucks and not just because you plugged my show just then. So. <laughs> Appreciate it should be that, great. Peter. I can't wait. And um you know, we'll we'll uh hopefully get a chance next year to to do this all over again with Tom Brady. Um you know, trying to trying to win his 7th for the for the first time he'll try because hopefully that he's not doing it in a couple weeks.
2: <laughs> Absolutely,
0: Peter, appreciate it.
2: Hey, listen up, FanDuel fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better.
0: America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good Dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for Dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery
1: store all right I want to thank David for coming on great conversation there I think it's going to be a great football game and uh, it's gonna be a classic that's what I've been saying all week. I think it's going to be a classic. I like I like the way Green Bay is playing right now. I think um, based on what we've seen, that Green Bay can take a lot of the elements that they used last week and use them in this game. Uh, I highly recommend, I tweeted out the link earlier, but I highly recommend the piece that Shil Kapadia and, and Ted Nguyen put together for the athletic, breaking down, take a little analytics, take a little film, put it together and, and try and get some idea of of how these teams could potentially be looking at this, how they're going to attack each other. And uh, I, I think it points to a game that Green Bay uh, can can be itself and still win. They don't have to get out of what they do best. And that was the great thing about what we talked about last week. If Green Bay plays its best game, I think they win. Nick Vile on the show tomorrow, also our live show, 5.30 Central Time on Periscope. We will do the A block there, the first 8 to 10 minutes, uh, injury report, all that stuff, and then continue to answer your questions after that. That will be exclusive to the live show. You will not get that on the podcast. Our conversation with Nick will be on the podcast after that. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.